Hey everyone, I am super excited to announce a new online program, the Champion Sports Physical Therapy Mentorship. I've teamed up with Dan Pope and Dave Tilly to create this brand new 12-week mentorship program, and we're now opening it up to the very first cohort on June 10th. We hear all the time from people that they wish they had more mentoring and people they can learn from to help accelerate their careers. We're going to take you through all our foundations of sports physical therapy, including our clinical evaluation, working with non-operative and post-operative patients, building return to sport programs, and even learning advanced phase rehab and strength and conditioning principles for rehab professionals. In addition, we're going to have a bunch of case studies, a community, and live sessions to interact and ask us questions. We really can't wait. Check out the show notes to learn more and sign up today. The first cohort starts June 10th. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about how we diagnose and treat a meniscus versus an articular cartilage lesion of the knee a little bit differently. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I am joined by Lenny Macrina, Mike Scaduto, Lisa Russell, Dan Pope, Dave Tilly, Everybody from Champion PT and Performance in our PT department, we're here answering your questions. If you have anything like this, head to MikeRound.com, click that podcast link, and we will be sure to answer them. We're going to go through as many as we can. And today, guess what we have? A great question. question. It's a great question because it's a great day for a question. But today, we have Evan from Philadelphia. He asked, hey, Mike, love the show. How do you and your team diagnose meniscus versus articular cartilage lesions in the knee? And, and based on that, how would your treatment change? Um, I thought that was a pretty good question. Um, I got a bunch of thoughts, but who wants to jump in on this? Uh, you know, how do you start? Somebody comes in maybe with some knee pain. It sure seems in, uh, internal, is that the right word, deep or something like that. It's not something you can like touch. Um, how do you diagnose between meniscus and articular cartilage lesions? Who wants to start? And I, I give it a shot. Uh, to me, it's getting a good history, obviously. And they'll, the, sometimes the person will tell you, um, you know, what's going on in their knee. You ask the right questions. They'll, they'll divulge some good information. Now, what that is, I don't know. You just got to kind of work around their history. But I think location is a good uh is a good uh starting point you know meniscus is going to be more a little bit more post area i think kind of joint line post area um and i, I would say cartilage might be especially if it's patellofemoral it's going to be anterior but if it's more condyle it's going to be kind of be i'd say relatively more anterior than the posterior meniscus which is more commonly torn in most people is that posterior horn so i think that's one thing um, definitely a swelling, you know, they may have, uh, some chronic swelling that is more, might be more articular cartilage unless they had an acute knee injury. Then you start thinking more meniscus. Um, but they could also have an acute cartilage injury. And they could go together. And they could go together. Correct. Um, 
So that, that those are my starting points. What was the mechanism? How did this come on? What was their onset? Did they have a twisting injury? Did the swelling delay? Um, they were kind of hours later or the next day. That's a good clue for a meniscus typically. Um, but I, I think um, having location of symptoms, being able to palpate the symptoms, I think if you can palpate right on the joint line, especially posterior, uh, the posterior aspect of the joint line, that's going to be a good indication. It's probably a little bit more meniscus, obviously locking, catching kind of a bucket handle type thing. That's going to be the obvious thing too. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of for PT, if you're not seeing a doctor and they're not considering surgery, you oftentimes treat them the same way. Generally speaking, I think we'll go a little deeper into that because there are some differences that we would consider, including how you load them and, and the ranges of motion, how you load them. But obviously MRI is going to be, you know, the big answer is, is it a, a lesion of the, of the cartilage or is it a lesion of the, of the meniscus? So that's kind of mine is location, palpation, and, you know, how are their symptoms? When do they get the symptoms? They get the symptoms every time they squat at a 50 degree angle uh, you know, and you could kind of judge that, or is it is it a little bit more mechanical? You know what I mean when they are trying to load the joint. So that's kind of my generalisms without having the person like in that. front of me. I, I like that. It makes sense, right? I mean, I, the I, subjective is going to tell you a lot. You know, like how this happen and when does it bother you? You know, and that right. starts telling you a lot of clues because different structures. But uh, Mike, what do you got? I was just going to throw out there. I think, at least in my experience, maybe an articular cartilage lesion tends to be more consistent within the range of motion. I think that's what Lenny was saying. So pain in a certain range of motion where that articular lesion is uh, articulating. Um, and that, that's kind of like going over the pothole because they kind of have a symptom right at that, at, at that point. And then the range above and below may be asymptomatic. It may not be painful for them. Maybe in a meniscus tear, uh, that, that could be a little bit different. Even in a bucket handle meniscus tear, maybe the knee locks, um, but it could be a little more inconsistent as to where that happens. I don't know. That would be one of my thoughts. What about, what about yeah. special tests? Are there special tests to differentiate between these two? What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, you could do a McMurray's. You can do joint line palpation, pain at end range, my, kind of my big three for a meniscus. And then if they don't, check those boxes and I'm like, well, it's not, it's inconsistent. Things aren't really making sense with your history. Then, then you right. start thinking the other stuff, you know what I mean? Right. You check would the boxes it be more, first. more ruling out a meniscus tear and then considering an articular cartilage? That's going to be the easiest. I think for us to be able to diagnose without imaging or x-ray or an MRI, especially an MRI is going to be, all right, let's, let's, it's a meniscus until it's not a meniscus, I guess. You know what I mean? And they, like we said earlier, it could be both. It's oftentimes is both. If you have an injury to the meniscus, especially an acute injury where you have some kind of maybe like a, a, a compression with a little rotation, not enough to tear the ACL, you oftentimes get a, some kind of bruising or cartilage injury to the joint and you get meniscus issues. So they sometimes go hand in hand, depending on the amount of energy that went into the knee uh, during that acute, you know, issue. Right. Especially if you have like a big, like compressive, like you have like a big valgus yeah. stress, yeah. like maybe you, and, know, and you tear your MCL and your lateral meniscus, lateral right. back, you know, right. if you have something that's like a plant pivot twist that, you know, that's less compression, maybe a little bit more meniscus without cartilage, for example, like, you know, lots of different things. So, so yeah, I mean, special test wise, it's probably more to rule in a meniscus <clears throat> tear than to rule anything out, you know, and you know, that's the, the weird part, you know, meniscus tests aren't perfect, right? So, you know, unless you get like a huge meniscus tear, you know, sometimes like those tests aren't completely positive. So, you know, again, you're probably trying to rule in, not rule out, right? But um, so, so I, I think that's good. I think we nailed kind of like, like what's the difference in how we would detect that or something. Now let's talk about, 
what, does anything change? I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, like Lisa, like concept wise, like would you treat somebody different between cartilage and meniscus? I mean, not, not entirely, I guess. I mean, just in terms of, you know, I feel like no matter what their painful ranges and their painful activities are kind of your guide and then like helping them like find their way through that and add some strengthening. And, and I don't, I mean, to me, no, I haven't treated a ton of articular cartilage injury to like have experienced what happens when, you know, when you work with it. But, um, yeah, usually when you have somebody with a big articular cartilage defect, you know, it's usually, it's usually like a mechanism that occurred. There's probably other issues going on too. I mean, but you know, but um, you know, if it's degenerative, that's different than articular cartilage. It's more OA, but uh, what's that, Dan? Did you have some? I guess I had a question for you guys, you know, Um, again, I don't have as much experience with articular cartilage problems, but um, I think from a PT perspective, we probably have to, uh, potentially be careful in terms of when is the right time to refer to a surgeon. If they do have something that needs to be surgically repaired, potentially like a, a meniscus that could be repaired. I know if we wait longer and longer, outcomes are usually a bit worse. So um, I would say, I would agree with Lisa, potentially trying to treat that individual, figuring out things that, you know, obviously doing a thorough evaluation, figuring out what's wrong and try to address the issues you find, but potentially sending back to a surgeon if things aren't improving, just to make sure that we're not missing something big or more important, right? I think we're in a very fortunate, you know, our our facility is, I think, a little different though. We get a lot of, especially our state as well, we get a lot of direct access type people. So we get people with an injury and they come right in to see us because they have a history with us, they trust us, and and then we can be referral source for the doc. So I think the general pop, the general population and the, the typical way people get into physical therapy with a knee injury is they go through a doctor's office, right? And so they go to a doctor, they get an x-ray. And it turns out to be like patellofemoral pain syndrome. And then we dive deeper into the injury and the history. And we realize that maybe it might be more than that. But they also go to the doc and the doctor notices and can recognize that it's a more of an issue. And then they'll, they'll just get the, they'll get an x-ray, but maybe they can't get an MRI until insurance sees that they went through a course of physical therapy. So now we need to be able to adjust our plan of care based off of the person's presentation. So like Mike said, uh, Scaduto said, if they have pain every time they squat to 50 degrees, well, we're going to stay at 45 degrees, right? We're not going to blow through that range of motion where they feel the pain. And hopefully as we develop strength in their leg by loading them from zero to 45, for example, the quads can take up more of the forces through the knee and maybe we can get through that range of motion so they can squat a little deeper and get a little bit more of a functional squat. Again, we talked about in previous episodes, do we need to get that deep squat? Probably not. But in people with a range of motion that has a specific lesion, you got to try to work them in that pain-free range of motion and then hopefully get carryover that that pain goes away in the deeper ranges of motion that they typically have the pain. But then if they can, and we can build that capacity, then score. We avoided hopefully a surgery. But if we can't, that's when they fail PT, which is a term that's all over social media right now. Uh, and we have to send them back and now an MRI can happen. And now they go down the rabbit hole of microfracture, osteochondral, uh, autograft, allograft, or meniscus. And then now you get this whole world of surgeries that that person has to go through now. And it's, it's not, it's, it's a tough outcome for many people. 
All right. So I'll, I'll wrap it up by just saying, you know, piggybacking off a little bit what Mike and Lisa kind of said, we're like working around it, right? The, the, you know, probably not a ton of differences at the beginning phase of that, but early phase, I think the only thing I would add here is that maybe like my, my return to activity progressions might be a little bit more cautious, a little bit differently. If it's meniscus, maybe I'm a little bit more cautious with like agility based things and change of direction and those sorts of things. If it's an articular cartilage thing, and it, it, again, let's, we won't get into this, but Telfomorphous tibial femoral, let's just assume it's tibial femoral if we're talking about meniscus. Um, but I, I would probably be a little bit more gradual with my application of compression. So maybe things like jumping and bounding and even running and sprinting might go a little bit slower with an articular cartilage procedure, while things like agility, change of direction, and shear forces would go slower with a meniscus. So, you know, early on, I think you're right, we'll work around it. It's pretty similar. It's an internal derangement of the knee. I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, as we as we gradually kind of get them back to activity, maybe we'll be a touch more progressive with those things depending on on the structure. So um, awesome. Another great question. Thank you so much, Evan. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and we appreciate it. Please head to iTunes and Spotify and rate and review us. We'd love to see those comments and we actually learn from them and, and, and tweak things with the show. So we appreciate it. Uh, the more, the better. Keep them coming. We'll appreciate it and we'll keep going. See you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinal.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.